HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. We are live at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival in beautiful, sunny Charleston. Um, I'm super excited. This is our last interview of the day, and I have not one but two of my very, very favorite people from Atlanta, Georgia. I've got Chef Steven Satterfield, chef owner of Miller Union. Welcome, Steven. Thank you. And I've got Nick Leahy, chef owner of Salt Yard in Atlanta. Glad to be here. What's up, Nick? All right. So first, I want to start off by asking you guys, just if people that aren't familiar with your restaurant concepts, just tell me a little bit about um, your restaurants and the kind of food that you're making there. Steven, you want to kick it off? Sure. Um, so Miller Union, we've been open for eight and a half years, and we are seasonal, sustainable, and driven by um, what's in season and, and southern ingredients. And Salt Yard. So Salt Yard, we've been open just under five years. Uh, we call ourselves seasonal small plates. So like tapas, but driven by what's growing around in Georgia as opposed to Spain. Yeah. And uh, Nick, you're going to have some uh, one or two new concepts opening soon. Tell me about that. Yeah, Steve and I are actually about to be neighbors on the west side. So uh, I'm opening a restaurant called X, as in Aix-en-Provence. It's where my family's from in France, so it's going to be a Provencal French restaurant with a little wine bar named Tintin, which is named after my great aunt Very attached. Cool. Nice. And what, tell me a little bit more about like the menu of that area and what people might be able to expect. I think a lot of the f- French restaurants in Atlanta are much more like the Parisian bistro, mm-hmm. and the, the food of Provence is much more... I, and I feel like it's a little bit more soulful. It's very much more seasonally driven. There's a lot of preserving, but it's a healthier cuisine. So it's lots of seafood, lots of vegetables, olive oil, citrus, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the north, you know, it's that more cream and butter French yeah. food that you think of, which is delicious, but, you know. Right. Um, changing gears for a second, uh, Stephen, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was a dinner that you cooked a few months ago in New York. And we're, you both mentioned the word seasonal, which is very important to the style of cooking that you do. And Stephen put this in action in a really interesting way where um, you, can't, you came to do the dinner at the award ceremony for James Beard Foundation and you kind of flew in and right off the bat you're like, I'm going to go to the green market and see what I can find. Yeah. So can you kind of um, rehash what you told us at that dinner, your like, kind of sure. process? Sure. Um, wh- the whole concept for the meal, it was the James Beard Leadership Awards and uh, they wanted it to be centered around food waste. So uh, we did a lot of research on um, things that we could find that maybe people were going to pass on, like um, 
there was a, uh, a fish company that had harvested a bunch of halibut and they were going to throw away the heads and we got them to save all the cheeks for us. And um, we went to the green market at the end of the day and tried to haggle a little bit and take things that uh, the farmers didn't want to take back to the farm or maybe some wil- wilted lettuce or ugly vegetables or seconds. And we just sort of grabbed everything uh, as much as we could at the last minute and reacted. And um, we had a hard time getting an Uber that day with all the bags of food we were trying to tote around Manhattan. But it ended up being a wonderful meal. It was delicious. Yeah. Thank you for cooking for everybody. Yeah. Um, and Nick, you recently did a James Beard dinner. So I got to see you in New York as well. Uh, tell me about the dinner and, and who you were collaborating with. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to go and cook with uh, Matt Bassford from Canoe. So, uh, you know, we're both foreigners that have come to America. So that was sort of the theme of the dinner. You know, he's he's a proud Aussie. So he cooked kangaroo and it was preached so good. the kangaroo Bible that he likes. I think he's cooked kangaroo twice here in Charleston, too. Yeah. Um, but I love working with Matt. We've done a bunch of dinners together and always support each other with all of our charitable efforts. So, yeah, we work well in a kitchen together. It was also a great dinner. I'm so lucky. I get to... I've actually never had kangaroo. I have no idea. Can you describe what it tastes like? It's kind of like... Have you had ostrich? Yes. It's a little bit like ostrich, but like maybe a little funkier. Uh, but super lean, so you got to cook it like mid-rare or less. But uh-huh. it's really good. Yeah. Especially when... A, Aussie, know, who knows how to cook it, cooks it. Yeah. Uh-huh. He said he had, at one point, 95%. Was it 95? It was something crazy, like 90 or 95%. Of all of the kangaroo in America was at Canoe with him. He was super proud of it, as you should be. <laughs> there was, like, a shortage of kangaroo, and somehow he cornered the market of all kangaroo meat in the United States <laughs> because he always has it on the menu in some form at Canoe uh, as, like, a small plate because he really wants people to try it. Yeah. Yeah. He made kangaroo ramen here last night. Wow. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what you guys are here at the festival doing and the events. Uh, So I did a a couple of meals uh, as a guest chef. And one was at uh, Zero George with Vincent Petrillo. Uh, We did a six-course tasting menu on Thursday night and paired with Matthias and Wines. It was really, really nice. Um, Only 50 seats. And we did 10 people... uh, every hour so it was nicely spaced out and very intimate very very intimate dinner I also did a biscuit battle with William Sinema stage and Joshua McFadden from Portland Oregon at Ava Jeans and uh, he's never made a biscuit before so he did pretty good considering that's, ball- um, that's ballsy yeah <laughs> I think going that on he stage just in a sort biscuit of, competition for your first time he didn't sign up for it I think he was voluntold <laughs> to do it um, and then also, uh, I just finished today a brunch at Shenu with Jill, Matthias, and um, man, it was awesome. All grower champagne and bougie hangover food. It was nice. You gotta have the bougie hangover food, yeah. especially, especially at Charleston. in Charleston. Yeah. Charleston food wine fest. There's some hangovers I hear here. Um, is that that's all the events you're you're doing this weekend, Stephen? Uh, yeah, I'm done. This is my this is the finale. last hurrah right here Amazing. on Heritage Radio. That's the way to end it. Um, <laughs> Nick, what about you? What have you been doing this week? I am unfortunately not done. <laughs> Most of my weekend is ahead of me, but uh, I'm doing the North Charleston Night Bazaar Market tonight, which is going to be a really fun event, I think. Oh, cool. It's sort of supposed to be inspired by some of those flavors, so I think it'll be some really interesting food there. Uh, I'm what doing, are you making? I'm doing a Moroccan spice duck and chicken stew with uh, rice midlands and a little bit of fried faro and stuff on it. It sounds delicious. It does sound good. We had the mountain of ducks at Salt Yard cooking earlier this week. We got some fun pictures of my staff. But, yeah. uh, and then uh, I'm doing the 
let uh, let us turnip the beet tomorrow, which is a vegetarian focused one. Which uh, you know, I love cooking vegetables. We do a lot of it at Salt Yard, so I'm doing a smoked beet dish there. And then uh, I did kegs and eggs yesterday. So big green eggs and yes, and beer. So speaking of big green eggs, one of the things I want to talk about. So Nick knows me well enough by now to know that after living in Atlanta, I really missed the beer scene. So he we have a he, good beer scene. You do. So he brought some beers with him, and what I thought we would do to kind of wrap up day two and have some fun is we would try some of the different beers from Atlanta and kind of talk about, like, what foods you might want to make with them because everyone likes to talk. Obviously, we're at Charleston Wine and Food, and we're talking about wine and uh, wine and food pairings, but I think a lot of people are branching more into the um, wine, uh, food and be- beer pairing. So let's see. Let's start with one of our classics. The, the icon of Atlanta beers. Wake up beer. Yeah. We're going to start with our Creature Comforts Tropicalia, which um, since you guys are, you know, so close to Athens and Creature Comforts is really having a moment, can maybe one of you share kind of the backstory of Creature Comforts Brewing? Nick? I don't know that I know the backstory. I know that they uh, started making this beer and they did it in... They they did... uh, really smart marketing because they didn't make much of it and uh, you would literally have to like wait in line at the grocery stores when the trucks were delivering where the guys would have them stashed in back and they would just hand you the brown paper bag it looked like a drug deal gone bad to get your Tropicalia but um, it's just delicious beer it was like the first uh, super juicy IPA that got popular in Atlanta I think yeah, it, so. I, and I understand the name Tropicalia because you get papaya yeah. and All pineapple and yeah it's very much that kind of on the back palate. Yeah. What, it's nice because it balances out the hops a lot, so it makes it a very food-friendly beer, too. Yeah, so what would be some foods that you might pair up with the Tropicalia Juicy I, IPA? I think this would be really good with, like, jerk chicken and fried yucca. Yeah. Like, and really go take it to the islands a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think yeah. getting something spicy in there is always good. When we've done creature dinners, we usually use this one somewhere right in the middle, so maybe it's, like, a spicy hot seafood dish, too. Or, or really like, well. a, um, it'd be nice with, like, a... Um, Escabiche or yeah. something like that. Yeah. 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 Flavors like some of those bright tropical flavors like yeah. you're talking about and a bit of heat, yeah. I think perfect for this beer. Yeah. It's a good it's a good beer for this day. Yes. Yeah. I also strangely think it would be good with key lime pie. I do. Even though it'd be kind of doubling down on like some of those But it's not a sweet beer. Yeah. And it's not citrusy, but it would just have some nice complimentary flavors to it. Could, it. I think it could work. I, I can oh, taste yeah. it. We, we might have to make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Where's our key lime pie? <laughs> uh, okay, let's do another. Do you want to do maybe, um, I don't but, know. Do you want to go like lighter to heavier? Yeah, let's. I'm going to take. I'm follow your lead on this. So what's this beer? So this is Southbound. They're out of Savannah. I think I can open it one-handed. Yeah. That's talent. You're holding that a mic in one hand. That is talent right there. <laughs> have you ever done that before? Practice, yeah. Have you done that before? <laughs> So one thing I love about them is they name all of their uh, beers after songs. So this one's Mountain Jam after the Almond Brothers, um, and What's it's it a Mountain Jam, um, and it's a lager that's got a little bit of citra hops in it. So it's got a little bit of weight, and you get some nice sort of citrus brightness and a tiny bit of hoppiness. So my problem with lagers is they're usually really boring, and I feel like this one has a little bit of oomph to it. So. It's almost a little bit like creamy in a way to me. Yeah, I really like it. What do you think as far as food? I think it's also hard to taste it after this because this one's so punchy. Yeah, this one's <laughs> definitely not quite as intense yeah. as a trop. It's but. really good though. It's light. I think um, 
I mean, gosh, what would be good with this? I think like if you did uh, beer mu- beer braised mussels, like use that can directly yes, into the mussels, like shallot yeah. and all I that. I can totally so. see that. Or clams. Yeah. Anything kind of salty and briny would be yeah. good with this. Because it's kind of neutral. Some fried fish. Fried fish would actually. be great. Yeah. Fish and chips. So we're we're at the earlier courses of our progressive beer dinner with this yes. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What kind of beer list do you guys have at your restaurants at the moment? Are there any like main focus points for you? Ours are 100% cans. We're very classy. No, but we really do believe like the the beer makers say they feel like that's the best way to transport beer. It's better than a bottle and and it holds it colder and the cooler and all these things. And so we're we're only doing Georgia beers and they're all in cans. So we have a couple of these. Awesome. Yeah. We also only do Georgia beers. Uh, we do have some taps and stuff like that, but uh, we try to focus. There's so much good beer in Georgia that we, why go anywhere else? And our beer list kind of weighs heavily towards IPAs because I, like. I write the <laughs> beer list. So, yeah. um, Are there any, um, I don't know if we're maybe going to move on to some of them, but are there any like kind of under-the-radar breweries in Georgia that are outside of Atlanta right now? Because obviously Atlanta has a booming scene, but what about some of the rural areas? Um, well, one that I think is really up-and-coming that I think is going to probably make some noise pretty soon, or has even already started to, is Scofflaw. Um, what I city actually, is that in? They're, they're in town, so they're like... Actually, they're on the west side. They're okay, like yeah. uh, right as you get into Smyrna sort of area. Yeah. Um, but their beers are amazing. And mm-hmm. they specialize in IPAs again, so there yeah. you go. That's why I like them. But um, I actually bought you one, but there's a beer maker from San Francisco over there who was obsessed with it. And when he found out I had one, he talked me into giving it to him. So, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Tell him he needs to share it with us. <laughs> uh, Stephen, what about you? Do you have any like under-the-radar hidden gem beers that you like? So I'll be 100% honest. I'm not a beer aficionado. I appreciate it, and I, I this is a great exercise for me. I'm learning something. But uh, I'm, I'm more of a wine and spirits guy. Sorry. Sorry, beer people. You're really outside your box today. Yeah, yeah. I, li- I like it, though. Yeah. yeah. It's good after a champagne brunch transition. Yes. Yeah. Lower ABV, right? Yeah. From bougie brunch to beer tasting. <laughs> That's how you do it at Charleston. On Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> Only. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We want to do an, our next one. So Monday Night Brewing, another West Side Brewery. I love Monday Night. So ladies first. Thank you. So um, this is Han Brolo. They always have very clever names. They're the best. I I do think they're the best. And they describe it as chewy, just to continue the Star Wars reference. (laughs) All right, we're going to taste it. Oh, man. Wow, talk about tropical. That's from the hops, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they use, I think, mosaic and centennial and citra and one hop from New Zealand in this, I believe. But, yeah, not quite as, like, heavy as the tropicalia, but still with a lot of those bright citrusy floral notes, I saw there, there's one, um, do you, you don't have any Orpheus over here, do you? I didn't get any Orpheus. We that's, had Orpheus that's usually last her favorite, year. They've been, I, they've been yeah. good supporters of Chef's Collaborative, so. They're, they're great beers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, they're very high alcohol for the most part, so I right. thought we'd skip them. And they do the sour beers. They do the sours, yeah. yeah. You have to be in the right mood for the sour sometimes. You do, it's yeah. Super, it can give you resting bitch face if you drink too much. They're Uh, good for a beer dinner though, because they were great for like the earlier courses, the sours with like crudos and tartars and things like that. And they usually have like a lot of citrus notes in there, so they work well with the raw fish. So if you're planning a beer dinner, yeah. What do you guys think about this Monday night Han Brolo as far as food pairings go? I love it. Um, 
it's interesting. It definitely has a lot of character and a lot of like um, bright notes to it. I can see it with like like some really beautiful scallops or something. Yeah, I you think know? you could go shellfish with this one too. Yeah. Some like sort of yeah. buttery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or I think you, if you did like uh, like moho a pork or something like that, and used some of this beer in the moho and then smoked it or something, I think you could yeah. play really I was well. I thinking like octopus could be nice yeah. too. Something you could work some of those flavors into. So yeah, you yeah. could braise the octopus with some of these sort of complementary flavors and it could meaty really well. but delicate. Octopus is like the perfect example. Of that. Yes. Um, out of the beers we have had so far, I want to ask kind of a big green egg related question because it's big green eggs, very big in Atlanta. Um, if you're grilling out, which of these beers do you think is the best one to have, or all of them? I don't know. A warm, a warm sunny day grilling out at Tropicana would be a nice thing to have next to you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, although I'm I'm privy to the Han Brola right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sort of partial to it, I guess. If you're going uh, low and slow on the egg, you might want to go with the, the mountain jam because it's got less alcohol in it, so you oh, have yeah. more than one while you're going. But yeah, you know. That's if you're planning. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing you have to think about. How was that for a committal answer? We literally named yeah. all three beers, so yeah. we didn't make a choice at all. That's, yeah. so that's why I gave you the option of or all three, because let's be real. Yeah. Um, cool. So I also have a question. So I really love Monday nights. Um, tap room it's just like really open and nice that's another thing about atlanta is that all the breweries have great tap rooms they do. do you guys have a favorite monday nights is great um i like the uh one that they built at three taverns that actually has a really nice one too um mm-hmm. and then the sweetwater setup's pretty sweet i've that's, been that's to sweetwater tap room. That that's more nice. like a complex right yeah now. it's a complex yeah they're for sure. huge now yeah it, how is that close to Miller Union? Sweetwater is kind of that's over on Otley Drive, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like midtownish, mm. a little bit, not far from the restaurant, no, yeah. not far from either one uh, of our places. Yeah. I remember when Sweetwater started; it was like the one building instead of the ten, and they used to have a hippie cover band come and play in their parking lot every Wednesday, and they put a beer truck out there. You could pay three dollars and get five beers and sit why, out there. And why Wednesday? Just Hump Day? Yeah, just, just Hump like, Day. I guess everybody Wednesday. needs a beer today. Everybody gets a beer, listens to some music, hangs out. <laughs> the parking lot and then drives home they obviously probably had to rethink that at some point yeah. but yeah yeah <laughs> uh, okay you want to move on to another one of our beers you want to do the ode to mercy yes so this which brewery is this wild heaven wild heaven is another one of my favorites they're in avondale estates which is over um in the decatur area yes um they also have a great tap room and they're super dog friendly which i like i this didn't know kinda, that this is like turning into like just like brewery commercials. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm okay we're, with it. We're all getting our kickback, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I so have a question about this beer in particular, though. Does it actually have coffee in it? Uh, I think it does. It's got nitro. Or is coffee a way to describe the color? No, I think School it actually me. has nitro cold brew coffee brewed into it. Mm. Oh, wow. See, that's what I would be drinking all day by the grill. Because it's going to amp you up while you're turning. Right, there you go. You can have a couple more, and the caffeine will take care of it. For you. <laughs> <laughs> this is your grill beer. If it's like you're tailgating and you went out too hard the night before, and you're like, I need some coffee, but also want to drink. L- little hair, hair of the dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great minds think alike. Yeah. There we go, Stephen. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Where would where would a beer that had this much like of a coffee undertone like where would that fit into a tasting menu, or what would you pair it with? 
I think uh, there's kind of two ways you can go when you get into the darker beers. So you can cook it into a meat dish. So you could braise. Like braise beef or yeah, something. Like yeah. a cheek or something that's yeah. like facty, unctuous. Yeah. And then my favorite thing we've ever done with this one was when we did a beer dinner with him. We made an ice cream out of it. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Pam did that. Yeah. So we like reduced the ice cream. We reduced the, reduced the ice cream. That would have that would Reduced the beer down. down. Reduced the beer down into like a really tight syrup and then had that swirled in the ice cream. And it worked really yeah. well. And it tastes like beer with... It's basically like we put a scoop of ice cream in this and yeah. drink it. Yeah. Yeah, you could just do it. A, a ice like cream float into beer. Like an avocado. Uh, avocado yeah. with yeah. beer. Yeah. That sounds like the perfect dessert. Off We're coming up with some good desserts here. An avocado brew, with beer. Avocado. Key, key lime pie with a uh, <laughs> tropical nut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really, really like this one. And what's what exactly type of beer is it? So it's a. Uh, Coffee nut brown, brown ale. ale. Yeah. Brown yeah. ale, but it like with the coffee, it almost kind of leans to like a stout porter flavor. Yeah. But it's not super heavy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think really it'd be good it. with like a salted caramel nut tart yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it does have some of like, those nutty notes. I like desserts. Here. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm on board with that. All right. And we're getting, we have a couple more left. We can just do one more. One more? This okay. is the big brown ale, so this is like the other end of the spectrum. Are you going to open that up with one thumb, too? This one will be harder. Does anybody have a bottle cap opener? Nick has one. He's going to dig for it. In the meantime, I also want to point out some very cool stuff that Stephen will appreciate. Nick brought along some of uh, Clay Oliver's oils. Oh, yeah. You you know very well, and you were... Um, I think you, you the story that he told me is that you helped, like, name the green peanut oil he sent me some some peanut oil and I asked him like is this from the freshly dug peanuts when they're right out of the ground he's like yeah you have to press them right away because the oils you know you have to get it you have to do it while they're still fresh and I was like so it's like green peanuts and he was like oh my god I'm gonna call it green peanut oil and I was like well yeah you should because that's a selling point like that means all of us know that means it's fresh peanuts Mm -hmm. you know freshly dug so um, it's got such a great flavor that we love all of his stuff. We use it in our kitchen all the time. And I introduced him to Sean Brock, and he, yeah. I think I think McCready's is one of their biggest uh, supporters in terms yeah. of weekly invoices. Good, good. Um, yeah, husk. we have some of the sunflower and the okra. Oh, the okra seed is super, super interesting. That's like oh, his newest. Oh, I love newest. the okra seeds. Yeah. It's so interesting that you get yeah. it really like you open up that bottle and it really smells like okra, which I didn't yeah. think was going to come. And through. the um, pecan is so sweet. Yeah. Really good. He's doing some incredible things. We have I have an interview with him from uh, Slow Food Denver from last year. So if anyone's out there listening and you're wondering yeah. what we're what are we talking about, go check out the interview with Clay Oliver. Also, it's just awesome to listen to him talk. I know he's great. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, this is basically just like us just gushing over everything Georgia. That's yeah. that's also we fine. make good things in Georgia. Right? You do. Yeah. And He's then, got the best middle Georgia accent you'll ever hear. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's delightful. Like, yeah. It's and amazing. he was telling us about how he the, the ochre byproduct is not good cattle feed because it makes the cattle sterile. He's just full of interesting facts really? about his products. And it's always good to know. Yeah. Don't yeah. eat too much okra. <laughs> if you have or cattle, maybe you should. Okra. <laughs> Depends on your end goal, right? <laughs> All right, let's get back on track for a second. Um Tell us what this beer is again, Nick. So this is the, oh. uh, 
three taverns, Cooter Brown Ale. So this is more of like your classic American brown ale. So kind of like the brown ale we had earlier, but without coffee. Without the coffee, What, what yeah. it really tastes like. Yeah, it's like the pure form. Um, so I think this one definitely lends itself more towards desserts as well. But okay, yeah. I have a question. If you're planning a tasting menu with beer pairings, do you always, always go like light to dark? Or is there... Kind of Not some... necessarily, because maybe the food progression makes more sense than the beer progression, and you just tag the beer to the right dish. Like kind of like if you had all your beers in one line and all your food in another line, and then you draw the connecting dots. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's same with wine too. But I think with wine, it's more important that the wine progress in a certain really? way, because that there's much more historical context to wine progression than there is beer progression. I think it's also kind of fun to sort of circle back at the end of a beer dinner and go with something light and really bright. So, like, when we at do the end. Them, we'll do, like, a sour for the dessert or something like that and have the really big stout be the entree so that all of a sudden at the end you're not getting, like, palate fatigue and you you sort of get a lighter, fresher note to end on. So you're not... Let's talk about as... palate fatigue. That's a really... Good, I say that all the time. Yeah. Like, it's... There, it's when it's you're tasting yeah. certain things, like, after a while you can't taste anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that's a really good term that people need to know. Like there are like you're at these food festivals and yeah. you're going around trying thirty things, you're gonna get palate fatigue. Yeah. You Especially to, with the stuff at the festivals, it's gonna be like salty, yeah. you know, smoky, like it's usually big aggressive flavors because right. people are doing lots of tiny bites, so yeah, right. you your palate will get washed but out. But you can get that with tasting wine too, or beers. You know, after a while you can only taste so much and it starts to all you get too many signals in your brain. Yeah, it's yeah, like when you... the wine reps bring in 10 wines, and I'm like, there's no way we're tasting all of these right now because the last six are all going to taste the same to me. Yeah. Right? You know, and it's, it it's one thing when you're tasting for the sake of tasting, but especially when you're in the middle of like a dinner. A meal. A meal. You're tasting for pairings and you... small notes and things. So. Yeah, that's something to definitely keep in mind. Um, so, yes. The only other thing I wanted to mention, because this is very exciting to me, Stephen, I don't know if you've heard about this stuff, but I heard about it. Oh, I know about Montaigne. You know about Montaigne. Yeah. So can one of you, Nick, you want to tell me what this is? It's Georgia sparkling water from Pine Ridge. It's great yeah. stuff. I think for everyone we sell at the restaurant, I drink one too. So it's, yeah. it's not a profit driver, but you know, it's delicious to have around. And I love how retro the cans look. Yeah. It looks like a, like a 1960s soda. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's just I saw a piece. I don't know who wrote it, but they were like, "Is this the? Is this going to be the Lacroix of the South?" And I was like, "I hope so." <laughs> it's better than Lacroix. I hope so. Yeah. This flavor is cucumber lime. I know they have a couple others out so far, and, it and has they have some that are just plain sparkling too. Plain, no flavor. Honeysuckle um, and Meyer lemon. It's a good one too. No, that sounds nice. That sounds good, and it has the lovely Georgia Grown label on it. For people who don't know, what is what is Georgia Grown? So Georgia Grown is just a uh, started with the Department of Agriculture, and it's a, a tag to certify that products are local and to promote local products and get local products out there. And so you can feel confident when you buy it that it, it is all of the things that it says it is. So yeah. And is it really important for you guys to have Georgia Grown products on your menus? I just think local in general. Like there's so mm-hmm. many different types of farms in Georgia, and there's some of them that are small that just do the local farmers markets there's some that are you know have more of that Georgia grant grown branding they might be sort of mid-sized to bigger farms mm-hmm. but um, or products and so but yeah it's a great way for us to sort of keep track of who our who our neighbors are and how we can support yeah, yeah it's like small businesses supporting small businesses right yeah so. 
Yeah. Super key. Um, so before we go, we're like almost at the end of our second day, which is very exciting. Yes. Um, I want to give you guys an opportunity to tell listeners like where they can find your restaurants, both physically and online. Uh, Salt Yards, www.saltyardatlanta.com, and we're 1820 Peachtree. And I don't have a website for the new ones yet. <laughs> and Miller Union uh, is on the west side of Atlanta, just past the Georgia Tech campus. We're 10th Street Dead Ends on the west side. Uh, Brady Avenue, and we are MillerUnion.com. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much, Nick Leahy and Steven Satterfield, for hanging out with me and closing out day two of Charleston Wine and Food. Hey, we got a big round of applause. Somebody's excited over there. (laughs) Um, I'm Kat Johnson. That could have been better time. (laughs) Good job. I'm Kat Johnson. Um, I'm with Heritage Radio Network. This is our second day of Charleston Wine and Food live coverage. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Big Green Egg, Springer Mountain Farms, the Julia Child Foundation, and Wisconsin Cheese, and obviously Charleston Wine and Food Festival for making our trip down here possible. Um, It's lovely to get to talk to people like Steven and Nick all day and hang out in this beautiful teepee. And it's sunny and we're getting our vitamin D on, which is, we don't really get that in New York right now, you know? Yeah. Um, So we will be back. Escape the storm, right? (laughs) Exactly. So we'll be back tomorrow uh, at noon with five more hours of radio. And we are so excited. And um, thanks again, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We'll see you tomorrow.